Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. On the roles of men, husbands in a marriage. Are you ready for that? And all the men say, yes, yes, we are ready for another session, you know. <laughs> well, uh, this, is a, uh, this is the last session for the roles of the husband, and then we'll get to the roles of the of female. I, I think I would have one but I, it might be two uh, for that. And then we, we'll go on the husband and the wife and do some things there. So we want to make this a series that's going to change lives. If we're not changing lives, would you agree that what's the purpose? You know, what's the purpose if we're not changing lives? I really believe, honestly, I believe that this series that we're doing and we have been doing because we've been doing marriage, uh, we've done, I think, three series on different portions of marriage, I believe it will really change your life if you really believe the Word of God. Now, if you don't believe the Word of God, then it's not going to help you. But if you believe the Word of God, I believe it's, it, it will. I know it will change your life if you put it into action. And I think sometimes we, we look at things and we say, well, um, well, you know, uh, that's, that's good. I've heard that, but um, um, I don't know. And you're going to stay the same. And God is not about staying the same. He's about changing lives. Uh, he's about sanctification, going from one point of sanctification to another. And I believe that, that in our marriages, we know that something is wrong with marriages in, in society today. We know that there are things wrong with marriage in the church today. It's the church universal. And so we know that we need something. Is that true? We need something. So let's take this to heart and let's take this to God as we are listening to these messages on uh, the roles of the men. Now our base scripture, we want to go from there. Uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 and 32. Let's go there where we uh, start most of the time. We start there because this is a life-changing scripture here when it says in verse 31 that uh, for this reason man shall leave his father and mother shall I'll be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And it says that this mystery is great. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. That put a whole new uh, thing on the whole thing, is that if they're talking about Christ and the church, well, that means that that changes my, my thinking about my role as a husband. If I'm supposed to take my role as a husband from the role of Christ, in relationship to the church, then that's going to change everything about how I think, how I do things, my attitude is going to change those things. And so that's what we're basing the whole uh, roles on the man is from his role from Christ, how Christ treats the church, what he does for the church, those type of things. We also, last week, we said that it's very important for a man to know that he is the head of his wife, in his marriage. Let's look at it in verse, uh, we're still reviewing in verse 23 of chapter 5. And it says, For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Now, so if Christ is the head of man, of the husband, which it says in, in Corinthians, which we went over uh, one time also, and the Father, God is the head of Christ, Everyone has a head. That means that also the, the, it says here 
that the husband is head of his wife. So we gave you a definition of headship. We said a headship is uh, the God-ordained, we went through every part of that, God-ordained um, responsibility of a man in a marriage to his wife, a female, and we stated stay that way because it's very important to stay that way these days and time. Uh, it, it's, it's very important to understand is God ordained. It's, 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 it's a God ordained responsibility, and it's, it's a God ordained responsibility for that husband to take the primary, the primary initiative, not the only initiative, but the primary initiative in Christ-like behavior. That's number one. Christ-like behavior. He's supposed to take the initial, the initial, primary initial in Christ-like behavior. That changed things for me. I said, oh my goodness gracious. I can no longer wait for Minerva to uh, say that she uh, asked me to forgive her when she was wrong. Uh, Because sometimes we can wait, you know that? We can wait on the wives and uh, we might wait a a day, two days, a year. (laughs) But I'm supposed to take the primary responsibility for Christ-like behavior. So that Christ wait on us to come say, hey, you know what? Father, you know, Adam sinned back there. And I'm going from Adam, so that means I sin. Father, forgive me. Did he, did, did he wait for us? Or did he draw us to himself? He drew us. He drew us. Ooh. It puts a whole different thing, whole different thing on our relationship. Also, not only in Christ-like behavior, but also in servant leadership. Servant leadership. Who's the greatest servant of all? Jesus Christ. Servant leadership. So I'm supposed to be a servant leader in my home. Not a dictator, not an overlord noble, but a servant leader. That's what I'm supposed to do. That puts a whole different thing on things, man. That was, that was, that's what I said has been in review of the previous messages, the previous three messages. Now let's go into today's message. We want to go over three more roles. We've gone, gone over approximately... Uh, 12 rows of a male. I gave you 10 on, on, in the bulletin one time when we finish over all of our, I'll, I'll give you, I'll put all 15 together. I gave you two last week. I'm going to give you uh, three today. Let's look at the first one for today. Ephesians chapter 5. We're still in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to go right on down. Verse 25. In this verse, one of the roles of a man towards his wife is to love his wife just as Christ loved the church. That was one of the one of the, the uh, ten that I gave. Husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church. I want to change that and emphasize not change it, but emphasize the the the, the thing that I think that that that, that God has impressed upon me that makes me want to cry uh, because I don't want to do it. But anyway, it says here that, uh, I'm serious. It says here that uh, husbands, love your wife as Christ also loved the church. 
and gave himself up for us? How can I give myself up for my wife? How can I give myself up for Minerva? How can I do that? Uh, I know that Christ died for me. He gave himself up for me. He died for me, but he's not looking for me to die for Minerva. I mean, he's already paid the price for her sin, and my sin, all the sins of the whole world. So why? How is this going to relate to me? I know I'm supposed to love her as Christ loves the church. I'm supposed to love her unconditionally. I know that. Now, what, what, what else is this in this verse? Well, what he's showed me is that I'm supposed to die to my selfish desires. My selfish desires. Oh, my goodness. That hurts. That is pain. And Women, do you feel men's pain? You don't? <laughs> we have one, have one young lady that said, yes, I feel it. Laura says she feels it. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to feel our pain. Is that He said it, die to self. We're supposed to be like Christ, man. We're supposed to be able to, to uh, give ourselves up for our women. How can we give ourselves up for our wives? It says that, really to me, we're supposed to die to our selfish desires. That's what he showed me. My selfish desires. I have desires that are selfish, and I'm supposed to die for those selfish desires. That brings me pain. It's flesh. Flesh. It's flesh. It's flesh. I was... Um, um, Never don't mind me sharing this. Uh, I was I was supposed to go somewhere to get some for her, uh, some vitamins. And uh, I didn't want to go. Lord have mercy, I didn't want to go. And uh, and so I remember I'm supposed to doubt my selfish desire. She could have gone. She could have gone. She asked me to go. I didn't want to go. My selfish desires. I went. And the lady said, well, thank you for coming uh, to meet me, you know, to pick up things from her. I said, well, uh, uh, tell you the truth, it was good for my flesh. That's what I told her. It was good for my flesh. What did I mean? I really didn't want to. The flesh doesn't want to do things. But, but, you know, it's good for your flesh to bring it under subjection. It is. If you don't ever bring your flesh under subjection, then you're going to be doing your own thing a lot of times. This is so important. So important. This will cause your wives, men, to feel, to feel special every day. Really. I didn't say that it will cause your woman to hear that they are special because many times you can say, I love you, but what does Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, do something about what I say. And so uh, telling someone that you love them only 
but you do nothing to show that you love them is just lip service to them. And I'm saying that this will make them feel feel special. Women need to feel special. And what will cause them to know that they're the queen of your life is when you are doing things imitating Jesus, doing things that you see Jesus do, when you're saying things that you hear Jesus say. Because Jesus is the king, isn't he? And if he's the king, then his wife must be the queen. And I say that if we're acting and talking like King Jesus, our wives will feel like she's the queen that she she deserves to feel like. Our wives deserve to be the queen and feel like she's the queen of the household. Very important. Very important. Now, how many men just love to hear that they are called daily to die to their selfish desires for their wives? How many are glad they heard that? Okay. Two. Wow. Thank you, brother, for joining me, you know. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I wrote down on my notes that I'm up here talking. This is not someone who is just teaching you something and going to go and do my own thing. Just the opposite. Do you know that to stand up here to teach you something causes, causes me to put myself in a position where I have to do what I teach. My wife is right there. She's, she's listening to me talking about, man's supposed to die to selfish needs. You know? Don't you think that I'm going to hear that if I don't? Really? Yeah. One of my daughters is right there. Another one's over there, back there on the... In the booth, she has my notes. What do you think that's going to do if their father is a hypocrite? They're old enough, you know, they're in their 30s, they're old enough to not be in this church. They'd be on, when, when, they, when we first came, they were small. They were, they were a small church 30 years ago, but, but they don't have to be here. Don't you know they wouldn't be here if their father was a hypocrite? Yeah. Especially 18 years ago because that's when I started teaching. More, 18 years ago. So this is, I'm not telling you anything that I don't have to walk out. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't started walking out. Really. And you can ask my my wife. You can ask her. You can ask her. And I'm telling you the truth. I did not want to go pick up those vitamins from one part of town all the way over here 
uh, to another part of town to pick up something that she can get in the car and come herself. Yeah, she can drive. She has a license. Yeah, yeah, she has a license. She can drive. Some people, you know, they don't have the license. They can't drive. Like Ms. Doyle, she doesn't have a license. She can't drive. She wants to drive, but she can't drive. And so, <laughs> but Minerva has her license. She's had her license ever since she was a, a teenager. I mean, did you have your license when you were a teenager? No, you got your license after we got married. Did you get your license after we got married? <laughs> I don't know. See, see, they didn't have a, she didn't have a car. and they had a, had a, I don't, Did you have a license before we got married? No. Okay, so I, I taught Minerva how to drive. Oh, big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> not because I told her how to drive, but because I was, I was not a Christian. And to teach somebody how to drive, you're not a Christian. And, and, <laughs> and you love them. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, I taught, I taught people how to drive in public school. I mean, I taught, and, and I'm not... Oh, it doesn't matter. That's okay. You ran over the curb. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, you just, you just knocked the front end out of alignment. It's okay. It's okay, you know. <laughs> but when you're teaching somebody you love and, and, and you're responsible for that vehicle and, and, and their lives, you know, you, you know, you get upset, you know, when, when they make a mistake and something like that. And, and she said that she never wanted to. Get in the car with me again. The teacher. <laughs> uh, because I was mean. So anyway, um, she can drive, but she, she asked me to go. Did I go? I went. I went, I went over, to, over there for That's the type of thing I'm talking about. That's the type of thing. Usually, sometimes I would say, no, 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 you can do without this thing. Wait till tomorrow. We're going over there tomorrow. You know. She said, no, I want it today. I need it today. Okay. I'll go. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Men, that's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to die to your selfish need. Every opportunity you get. Now, when I get to the wives, now, I know the men are thinking already. You're thinking already that, man, she's going to treat me like a doormat, man. She's going to... Man, all she's going to do, I'm going to be at her becking call every time. Man, what is he talking about, man? He's not no pastor boy. He's, a, he's, he's just a crazy man standing there talking about. She's going to be telling me, hey, go do this. Go do that. Go do this. Now, wait till I get to the women. Men, I'm telling you, help is on the way. The cavalry is on the way. <laughs> women are not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Okay? They're going to love us even more. Even more. So, isn't that right, ladies? They're going to love us even more because we are dying to our selfish needs. Now, we do that. We, you know we do that a lot anyway. Uh, but I'm talking about going to being like Christ now, like Christ loved the church. He died for the church. I'm talking about that, is, that, 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 that goes yay, but way beyond, right? Way beyond because if we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we look there. Turn there for a minute. A little bit. We're talking about here when it says that, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And I said God demonstrates his 
own death to self as needs. There's a willer has to has to demonstrate his own death to self as needs in that while Minerva yet could have gone herself, he died to self as needs and went anyway. That's how we can put our, ourselves in this thing. We can we can put ourselves in this thing and do those type of things. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about, man. We got to have a, a, a attitude, a good attitude, also. Uh, let's look at it in Philippians chapter two. Uh, let's look at there, uh, uh, verse five, when it says here that have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ, that who also, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taken on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now I say, men, let's have this attitude in us that Christ had, that he didn't, he didn't moan and complain and grumble because he had to die for mankind. He didn't do that. You, you, don't, you don't get that in your, in your mind as a picture that Christ said, oh, Father, man, I can't. I don't want to die for these, 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 these heathen. Why should I have to die for them? But I'll go out and die for them. You don't, you don't, you, that, that doesn't even cross your mentality, does it? You just think of somebody willing to die for humanity because he loves the Father. He loves, he loves you. And he wanted to die for you because he wanted you to be with him. Well, that's the attitude we're supposed to have in our death to self, man. We're supposed to have this attitude in us that we desire to die to our selfish desires. We desire to do it. Wow. That is, that is awesome. Now, another point is you say, well, I don't know whether I can, I, I don't know whether I have the strength to do that. I don't know whether, uh, because you don't know my wife, and so, uh, you know, this is going to be hard. Well, I, I don't care what your wife doesn't do, what your wife does. Uh, we know that Christ died for the church while the church was yet a, what? Sinner. So, it doesn't matter what she does, what she doesn't do. I want our men to die to their selfish desires. Does that sound okay to you, women? Okay. Now, let me tell you what we're going to have to draw on, men. In same Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at verse 12 and 13. It says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for, this is the verse I want, for it is God who is at work. He is at work in you, both to will 
and to work for his good pleasure. That's a continuous thing. Continuous. Continuous working. He can continually to work. His active purpose in us, man, is God, I have to know, does that working mean that's trying to get this flesh under control? Is God who's at work in me both to want to die to self and to die to self, both to will and to do of his good pleasure? I have to know that. I, I, I can't get, on, get into this thing that, man, this is too hard. You don't know my wife. This is too hard. I can't do that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's what the scripture, scripture says. So don't tell me what you can't do. How big is your God? God, how, where is God? Is he, can you hide from him? Is any thought hidden from him? Can God raise up children from rocks? Can he raise up uh, people who died they have deteriorated, bones laying there, dry bones. Can he bring those bones back to life? Yes. Can he put the, 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 the veins and the arteries and the sinews, can he put all those things back together and raise those dry bones up? Yes, he can. Don't tell me then what God can't do in you to get you to die to self, to love that wife, your wife, just like Christ of the church. Don't tell me what God can't do. I know what God can do. I know what this flesh doesn't want to do. So that means I know I have to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to practice bringing this flesh under. That's what I have to practice. I told the women, I told told y'all that you don't realize how important it is to hear and for your husbands to hear these messages. It can change your marriage. It can change your life, really. Because I've, I've, I was telling somebody, I've never taught these messages like this before. I was telling the lady, she's in her late 70s. Got to be late 70s. Matter of fact, she was, a, she was a member of, she was one of the first members of this church. Uh, matter of fact, she was, a, uh, when I say first members of the church, uh, when they started this church of Faith Christian Fellowship way back in the 70s, she was, in the late 70s, she was one of the founding members, her husband and her. And I was asking her how, how was her husband. She said, he's, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. But, well, he's, he's got a lot of little uh, things and, and all those things. Like that. And um, she said, well, um, he complains a lot about his things. I said, well, tell him, tell him that, 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 you know, uh, God is more than able to help him overcome, you know. He said, well, I can't say too much to him spiritually because he's just mad. I said, bring him to the marriage seminar. They've been married probably about 40-some years or whatever. Uh, and you said, bring somebody that's in the late 70s to a marriage seminar. You don't think they, they got it together, all right? Well, I've, I've been married 40, 45 years this year, and I don't have it together. So why would somebody else have it together? Tell me who has it together. I don't know anybody that has it together other than Jesus Christ. 
He has it together with as being the, the head of the church. He has it together. And he's, 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 uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit to get us together, right? <laughs> right. As his bride. So uh, we don't have it together. But I guarantee you that this series will change your life. Let's go to a, another one. That's one of them today. I've got two to go over today. Uh, the, that one was called Men, We're Supposed to Die to Our Selfish Desires for Our Wives. Okay, another one. Let's go to verse 26. And we're talking about Ephesians 5, 26. We're going we're gonna to be in Ephesians most of the time. We need to provide for our wives, man. Provide for our wives. Now, we know that we're supposed to provide food and all those type of things for them. We know that the word says in Ephesians, not Ephesians, but Psalm chapter 27, probably about verse 25, 30, Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen a righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread, meaning his descendants. So I stand on that scripture, uh, and even when I didn't have much money at all, when my when the month was longer than my money. It, it always, uh, my money ran out always before the end of the month. And when I was a teacher, I got paid on the once a month and, and I got paid on the last of the month. And by the first two weeks of the month, the money was gone. Period. Gone. So I had to get, I had to get second uh, sources of income, which teaching driver had uh, helped out, uh, which cutting grass for my next door neighbor, neighbor and she had fr- a friend I had to you know, put the lawnmower in the back of my trunk and go over there and cut grass. One of my daughters helped me cut grass to try to get money to eat. So I know what it is uh, to have a, a lack in, in things. And he said that my seed will never be begging bread, and I stand on the scripture. They haven't been. We haven't been begging bread. Um, we, that's, that's, that's the way it is. You do what you have to do. But let's take it another way. Let's take it spiritually. I want to talk spiritually today. I want you to provide husbands spiritually for your wives. Verse 26 of Ephesians chapter 5. So that, and we said it, we, we, we already read verse 5, he gave himself up for her. So that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water, of water with the word. That so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, we are sanctified, but we're also in the process of being sanctified. We've been brought out of the darkness, translated into the, into the kingdom of his dear, dear son, so that's sanctification. We've been brought out and brought to him, but we have a process of sanctification sanctification going on all the time from the time we uh, uh, got saved to the time we die. We're going to be in a process of being more and more sanctified. That's why we have the Holy Spirit with us to help us in that sanctification process. Now, Christ is doing that for the church, providing that. What are we doing, men, 
to provide for our wives in that area? Are we providing a atmosphere, a a um, uh, situations for our wives to be washed, to be cleansed uh, with the water of the Word of God? Are we doing that? That's provision spiritually. That's part of my responsibility as a imitating child of God to do what he is doing for the church to make sure this is being done in my home. Is it being done in your home? Then? Are you providing an opportunity? Are you providing an environment? Does your wife have to come home from work and do this for, the, for you? Cook. <coughs> Wash dishes. Do the children's homework. Give the kids a bath. Put them in bed. Then fall out herself. Tired. Sleep. And to get up the next morning doing the same. And you have done nothing to provide for the spiritual atmosphere of washing with the word because we all get dirty in this world. We get dirty. That he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Are we providing an atmosphere for that man? That she can be presented and say, God, I have presented my wife to you, your bride, having provided an atmosphere that she has no spot no wrinkle because I have washed her with the word. This, the word goes forth in the right context. There's no false teaching. There's no false doctrine. I don't care what she sees on, on TV from all these other people, whatever it is. I monitor things and I, I correct things and I amen things or whatever it is it's going to be. But I have an environment where she is in that word. She has an opportunity to be in the word. Man, is that, have you taken that responsibility in your household? Have you taken that responsibility? God has ordained you to be the head. He's ordained that you be the primary initiator of this. That's why the church, marriage in the church, should be opposite it is of the world. Because the world can't do this. How can the world uh, uh, love their wives like Christ loved the church and they don't even believe in Christ? They don't even serve Christ. They can't do it. Our marriage is supposed to be my goodness gracious. People are supposed to see our marriages and, 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 and see 
my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? How do you do this thing? When you're in your job and you talk about how your husband just dies his selfish needs for you and how he treats you like a queen and how he does this, how did it. Man, they think, you, what, is, what are you doing to get this man to do all this? It's, he's, he does that because he's imitating Christ. Imitating Christ. And he, he, he treats me just like Christ treats the church. My goodness gracious. See, when I was teaching in school, and I was teaching elementary school, um, oh, from 90 to 98, and most of them in, in, in elementary school of teachers are, are women. And they come, they come to school, man, they be all out of sorts sometimes. And they would, I said, hey, everything okay? What's wrong, you know? And they know who I was, you know? And, and they said, well, you know, this, uh, my husband, I tell you, boy, I, I want to kill him sometime, you know? And I said, well, you know, uh, let me try to help you. Uh, I can, you know, try to help out. But the thing is, is that, that, that um, they, they, if they're not born again, the only thing I can try to do is get them saved first. But I try to, you know, uh, minister to them in order to get them saved. They can't do it. The world can't do it. But I tell you, Christians can do this thing because they have the Holy Spirit. God at work in us, both the will and do it with good pleasure. That's what it says. It says, so husbands, in verse 28, so husbands also to love so husbands ought, ought, also, also, what's that saying? Just like Christ was doing this for the church, just in case some of you said, well, why should I do all this? Christ already said that he's going to present himself, this church, as glorious woman, so why should I worry about the spots and the wrinkles? Because it said, so husbands ought also to love their own wives, just like he did, as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it. He feeds it, in other words. He cares for it. He protects it. He provides for it, just as Christ also the church. So I'm supposed to be imitating my Lord and Savior. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, this is great for men. I'm telling you, this is great. And any, any young women who, who are not saved, not, not saved, no, not married yet, I'm, I'm telling you, oh, my goodness gracious, please, please don't settle. Don't settle for somebody who's unsaved. You're going to be in a world of fix because your husband can't do what I'm talking about. You, you're going to want him to, so you're going to be trying to get him to do this. You're going to be trying to expect him to do this, but he can't do it. You're expecting him to, to do something he cannot do unless he gets born again. You say, well, I get him saved. Right. 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 And some sometimes you are 
put in that situation because neither one of you were saved when you got when you got um, married, and then you got saved, and but your mate didn't. So you're in another category that we'll talk about some other time. But I'm telling you, marry somebody who is saved. But not only I didn't say go to church. Did I say go to church? I said who's saved. And who understands this? Because if they don't understand, if they don't understand, how can they do something they don't understand? Yeah. That's number two. And the last one, I said the first one was we're supposed to die to our selfish needs. Number two was we're supposed to provide a spiritual atmosphere for our wives to be washed with the word of God. Um, you know, so, and it, it, men, if you, if you don't know the word, that's okay. Learn the word. Learn the word. Get with somebody, some other man who, who will help you, who will mentor you, who will, who, will, who will spend time with you. Learn the word of God so you can wash your wives with the word of God. Come on, just don't, don't, don't say, well, I, you know, uh, she doesn't know the word, I don't know the word, but we're okay. No. You're not okay. You're not okay because God didn't attend, intend for you to, to uh, just... Uh, have an atmosphere where you are the head of the household. You're supposed to be providing that at their spiritual atmosphere where they are brought up in this word. That's protection. That's provision. Now let's go to protection. Wives, your husband is supposed to protect you. Now, we're not talking about buying a machine gun. We're talking about protect you spiritually, okay? And you can have a gun, that's fine. You can, um, but I say you also need to think scripturally. Unless the Lord protects the city, in other words, unless the, you know, he protects the city, the watchman can wake in vain. You can, you can have a guard 24 hours around your property. You can have, uh, you know, one of those gated communities. But nothing will keep someone out who wants to get in. I'm telling you. If somebody, man, they're breaking, they breaking in the government's computer. These hackers. You, you mean, you have people to, who, who do a lot of things. Unless God's going to protect your wife and your household, then, you know, you can have machine guns all you want to. And I'm not against machine guns. You can have them if you want to, um, if the Lord, uh, with the, if the law allows you. I don't know what's allowed. I sold my my, my gun, my pistol. I had the first the, when I had a pistol. I sold it cause, so I can eat. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't know how to shoot it anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> but anyway, uh, now we're into protection. Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. Let's close out with this final one, protection. Finally, it says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. The strength of his strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Oh, we find out we got, we got a devil and we got, he has schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So God tells us here that there is a whole army of spiritual beings out there that we don't see. And they are against us. They're against Christ. They're against us because they're against Christ. And I'm telling you, they're going to try to take us out. And it says that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, against people, human beings. Our, our struggle is with all these uh, spiritual dark forces. That's our struggle. So it's telling me, therefore, to take up the whole arm of God so that I will be able to resist in the evil day. And so evil day can be any time the evil one come, any time Satan come around. That's an evil day for me because he's evil. So if he comes around, I want to be ready. And the only way I can be ready is have on the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. So it says that, therefore, it says, having done everything, everything to stand. Oh, everything to stand. Everything I've told you to do up to this point. He's already told us that we're supposed to provide an atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere for our home. We're supposed to take our wife, uh, provide for them spiritually. He already told us that we're supposed to die to self. He already told us a lot of different things. He told the children what to do in verse 6, I mean, chapter 6, verse 1. He told the parents not to provoke the children. He told us all these things. He said, having done all, having done everything to stand, stand firm, therefore, against these evil forces, having, having, Girded your lawns with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what he tells us. Now, I'm not teaching today on the armor. I'll teach you on the armor. That would be a whole, whole message or two, probably two or three messages on just the armor, but I'm not teaching that. I'm, I'm teaching on protection. Your protection has to be the armor, though. Your protection has to be the armor, and you're trying to protect your wife, men, from the principalities, the powers, the rulers, the doctrines, the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. You're trying to protect your family from that because, believe me, uh, when we talked about Adam and Eve, do you realize that another man by the name of John, Sam, or Willie, or whoever, did not come in that garden and try to get Eve to sin? Is that correct? There was no other person there but Adam and Eve. So how did she get Course and he get coerced to sin. There was an evil force there. Spiritual wickedness, darkness, that influenced them to fall. There are evil forces that will try to get your marriages to fall, fall, fail. There are evil forces that try to get your children to fall, to fail to 
get off the word of God, to get rebellious and all those type of things that because he is the most rebellious being alive. Satan. And he tries to get everybody rebellious against God. That's what we're supposed to try to protect our households, man. And you say, well, suppose I can't do that. Yes, you can. Because he said to do it. You can do it. You just have to learn how to do it. But it must be done. What is the responsibility of a man? To protect his household from spiritual darkness. Suppose he don't know anything about spiritual warfare. That's right. Learn. Learn spiritual warfare. Suppose he don't even know the word of God. Well, he says here that you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take up the sword of the spirit. How are you going to fight in the spiritual darkness you don't have the word? So you got to have the word. So you got to learn the word. And, 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 and here you have these young women wanting to marry somebody who doesn't know the word. What, 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 what you automatically saying? Hey, you can't protect me, but it doesn't matter. You're pretty. You're handsome. Who cares when, 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 when Satan is beating you up? Come on. These, 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 uh, uh, these movie stars and athletes and all these people who got plenty of money, who are handsome, who all these kind of things, Man, their marriages fail just like anything else. Man, they don't, they don't have nothing on the ball but what, they, what you can see from the outside, a lot of them. And I'm telling you, this is what's going to cause your marriage to make it. This is what's going to cause your family to make it. Men, we have to be spiritual warriors. We have to be. Okay? That's the third one. Now, next week, Women, don't you stay away. Men, bring, make sure you, you bring your wives because we're going to start on the rolls. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.